Okay, hello. Um, welcome everybody to another episode of Recovery Friends Podcast. Real quick about the podcast, we are um, a podcast where people who are in active recovery from addiction share their unique experience in the hope that listeners still in active addiction uh, can identify with their stories and maybe possibly find hope for their own recovery. Um, we are not affiliated or do we speak for any 12-step program or any other addiction or recovery-based entity. The ideas expressed here reflect the experience of our guests and not the opinion of their chosen path to recovery. Um, so today on the podcast, a very special podcast, a reunion <laughs> of sorts, um, I have, now look, I don't know if maybe I'm just a friend whore because <laughs> everybody that comes on is like my good friend but legitimately i know there's like maybe like one person out there who listens to every episode as they come out we're, we're building a following <laughs> but if they start somewhere <laughs> they uh hear every at the beginning of every episode my good friend well mike is definitely my good friend um mike and i were roommates for how long about four years four years I don't know. If it, was it more than four years, though? Yeah, it was I like to think a little more than four. Years. I always round up. If it goes past four, it's five. It's five. Yeah. Five. So I always say totally we. <laughs> so like whenever I whenever whenever I'm like seven in a month, I'm eight. Tech, I'm eight years sober. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird how you do that. Like I go, it, in my mind, once I turned six years sober, like I was already like almost seven. So by the time seven came around, I was like, is it seven or eight? Well, I like to say you're in your eighth year. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's the nice right. way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, what's up, dude? How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. I've been uh, looking forward to this. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, the um, you don't know the format, so let me explain it to you because yeah. you've never listened to the podcast. Regrettably. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll be listening to this one. <laughs> Yeah, many times over. <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I listen to all of them because I'm on all of them. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I, I I pay attention whenever I speak. I'm like, oh, I missed it. Let me rewind a little bit. <laughs> Do you add stuff that you didn't say? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I punch in really spiritual <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> repeat it in your head. Man, man, I should have said this. I think I'll just punch in that kind of like. Can't wait till next time. <laughs> uh so yeah, dude. Um, um, basically, just give us your story, man. Tell us how you got so. Tell tell us about like you know what how it all started, um, the journey to your bottom, and then we'll talk about some recovery. Yeah. Um. Again, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, whenever I get an opportunity to, you know, share my story in the hopes of helping somebody else, I'm pretty excited about that. You know, I think that, uh, you know, the reason that I'm here today is not because I'm some great guy who deserves so much in my life. It's just it's because I think that um, there's some work to do. And, uh, you know, if I can help uh, another alcoholic then, or anybody who's suffering, then uh, 
then I think that that's part of the mission. That's part of like what I'm supposed to do here, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, in my, my, my professional <laughs> life is sort of in drug and alcohol prevention. And I remember my boss coming into my office one day and, and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I can, we can't like, we're, there's something we're not doing. She goes, Michael, it's about one. It's always about one, hmm. you know, and, uh, about one meaning one individual. If I, if, if, if at the end of the day we've helped one person, it's worth it. Then we've done our jobs, yeah. you know, and it's difficult to think that way for me. You know, I want to save the world. You everybody, yeah. you know, everybody come Numbers, get sober, man. come, <laughs> right. You know, I don't know if it's ego or not. I don't know. I really <laughs> dug that deep. Maybe we'll, we'll get to that. Um, you know, I come from a, um, uh, uh, a line of alcoholics, you know. Um, I've never seen my father drink, but he's an alcoholic, and his father was an alcoholic, and um, his brother and sister were alcoholic, and their father was alcoholic. So, <clears throat> I'm just gonna run this. Sure, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it's in my family, yeah. you know, and. Uh, they all got sober, you know. Um, they all got sober 12 steps over? None of them did 12 steps over yeah. sobriety. Wow. You know, I always look back at that. I was like, God, I could have used that for, as an excuse. Why didn't mm. I, you know. Uh, church. But, 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 yeah, church. Yeah. God, you know. Uh, what worked for them. Which that's what worked for us, sort of. In a, in, yeah, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a different yeah. way, mm -hmm. but, but absolutely, right? Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I started drinking, you know what, it's interesting, I have a lot of people in my life who are, who are in recovery, and I hear a lot of my first drink stories, you yeah. know, and, uh, it, you know, they always start off, well, I was 12, 13, when I, and that's just not my experience, yeah. I'm like, God, I was late, you know, <laughs> I didn't drink till I was 18, mm. you know, and, um, but I was alcoholic long before that. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean that I, I took a drink at 18, but I needed one at 12, you yeah. know? Um, I don't think that we alcoholics have a, a, a monopoly on feeling awkward and out of place and, and not feeling a part of. I, I almost think that that's that's a natural rite of passage almost. Yeah. But for me, it was almost unbearable. You know, uh, I I I I was a kind of guy, and I I even I even noticed this. Uh, uh, you know, in in in, in my so sober life, that the grass was always greener on the other side. Yeah. You know, um, I always wanted more of what I had, and it was never good enough, you know? And so, um, a few years ago, my mom, she, uh, she called me up on the telephone and asked me if I wanted to go to a friend's, I'm sorry, my cousin's wedding in San Francisco. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you're laughing because you've heard the story. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's a good story. But it's so true, man. Like, <laughs> so she called me up and she's like, "Hey, you know, your, your cousin Derek's getting married." And and my my cousin Derek he and I grew up together until our families moved to uh, separate states. And um, 
And so he was he was getting married and you know he he was having this wedding and and my mom called up and asked if I wanted to join the family at his wedding in San Francisco. And uh and she's reminding me of this story <laughs> that that happened when I was a, a a kid. I think I was like in second grade. And my cousin Derek had, you know, really short hair and you know never grew and I had like this really huge afro that was about three feet tall, uh, man. you know. You, and, you know, uh, you should probably grow one. Of them. Oh, one, one. You know, bring it back, old school, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it look good on you. Actually, what I'll do is I'll post some Throwback Thursday photos on <laughs> social media, um, and uh, and so I uh, and so my Derek's his hair wouldn't grow, and I had like this really long curly hair, and. I went to school one day, I took a pair of scissors, and I cut my hair, mm. big chunk of it in the front. Um, you can't see me, but it never grows. It has not grown right in that spot ever since. Uh -huh. It does this curly little swirl thing. Let me see. Like, you can kind of see. I'll show it's it a little darker. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, so I took a pair of scissors, and I cut a big chunk of my hair. My parents picked me up from school, and... My mom sees me, and she's like, oh, my God, what have you done, right? And so here I am, fast forward, you know, an adult man, and she's inviting me to this wedding for this cousin, and she's like, uh, do you remember that story? And I'm like, oh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I remember that, you know. And uh, so I, I, from school, she takes me home. And she sits me down and she asked me, why did I cut my hair? She's like, why did you do that? Why did you cut your mm. hair? And I said, I, I cut my hair because I wanted hair like my cousin Derek. Uh -huh. And she goes, she's talking to me on the phone, you know, all these years later. She's reminding me of that story. And she goes, how ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, everyone wanted hair like you and you wanted hair like somebody else. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. Like, thank you. Hmm. I'll talk to you later, <laughs> right? You know, and 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 that that that's how I feel. It's like this perpetual state of awkwardness and 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 not not being a part of it, not fitting in. And um, when I was eighteen, uh, I had a group of friends who uh, we would we went to uh, we would go to a bar that would let us in at that age. At eighteen? At eighteen, yeah. And we had. And that's in where in Chicago? Yes. And so Chicago to get into a bar, you have to be twenty-one. Have to be twenty-one. Okay. Yeah. And they would let us in, and they had five dollars, all the beer you can drink on Sundays. Uh -huh. And my friends would, you know, they partake, they 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 drink, and and I so wanted to be a part of that. I so wanted to feel like they felt. Yeah. You know, so I would. I would pick up this they so they it was it was really nasty stuff right like and and they would put all these all these cups of beer on the on the the, the bar and you just grab one and then every when you need another you just grab another right that sounds amazing and uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> in retrospect yeah eventually it became amazing yeah actually you know <laughs> and so I would grab this beer and I hated the taste I hated the taste of alcohol till this day I I I never acquired a taste for alcohol yeah um, and it, uh, so I, I'd grab it and I'd pour it out and I'd grab another and I'd pour it out, you know, and I always thought that I was, <laughs> you know, I, I think there were some times when I'd pretend to be drunk a little bit, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, one day I finished it 
Yeah. And uh, I remember, I, I remember finishing it because I remember being amazed and I remember being so happy that I finished it. Wow. And it was on from there. Yeah. You know, it's quite funny about like the story of like you pouring your beer out. Yeah. So that you could fit in. Right. Like to, to like normal thinking that does, that's not alcoholism, but to us, that's your alcoholism. That's alcoholism. That's your alcoholism, right? 100%. Yeah. Right? So like complete Pl- alcoholism. Playing the part. Playing the part. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to fit in. Yeah. Wanting yeah. to be accepted. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I hadn't quite found the solution at that point until I finished that beer. Yeah. And at that point, I was able to be whomever I wanted to be. I was able to feel a part of. I danced. Yeah. It was fun. It was a great time. You, you hadn't know? gotten the diagnosis yet, but you found the right treatment. For the moment, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it but it worked. Like yeah. you know, I I have to like, you know, throughout my my uh you know, my life from from you know, uh drinking and, and partying to, to, to sobriety, I have to admit that it worked at for it mm-hmm. it did its job for a little bit. Yeah. You know? And it gave me that part that I needed. You know, and um the only problem is is that it triggered an allergy that made it impossible for me to stop. Mm. And it was on from there. And and so I can I, I continue to drink. It was not a daily thing. I didn't drink all the time. I didn't drink every day, you know, um, at least not at first. And the solution to this awkward feeling, you know, my alcohol would be the only relationship that I had for such a long time. It was the only thing that I really knew. And somehow I crossed this line to being an all day, every day drinker. You know, quite early. I went to uh, I went to college, and that's what I did. You know, I drank, and um, we had a. I remember we had a bar on campus, and there was also a Chick Fil A on campus too. You know, and I'd go and I'd get a chicken sandwich, and I'd get a Coke, and I'd drink the Coke, and I'd eat the chicken sandwich, and go to the bar. And uh, grab beer, and I pour a couple beers in that Chick Fil A cup, and that's how I was able to go to class. You know, class was fun. Hmm. It was great. You know, I could raise my hand. I could talk. I could be a part of. It felt good. I was actually able to do stuff. Hmm. You know, Um, and I lived in the dorms, and I would drink all the time in the dorms. And you know, what I realized is that I was missing out on on um formative things you know how to be responsible how to exercise discipline how to have relationships with other people mm. you know i didn't know how to do any of that but i knew how to drink and i knew how to have a good time and i knew how to live in that reality that was only that only existed in my head yeah yeah it's like you were saying like anxieties and fears that's all a rite of passage but right. also learning learning how to live with those things and overcome those things that's a rite of passage as well. Absolutely. You missed out on both of them. Right. I, in fact, years later, my mom told me one day, um, she said to me, she goes, Michael, all that you want to do is have a good time. 
And I remember looking at her directly in her eyes. I looked at her right in her eyes. I was like, well, duh. <laughs> and she's like, life is not always a good time. It doesn't always feel good. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought that if you weren't having fun, <laughs> then you were doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this disease made my world so small, man. Like I, 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 did, I didn't know anything, you know. Um, it wasn't until I was a junior in college that uh, somebody f- first mentioned to me that perhaps I might have a problem, you know. And it was... Um, it was during homecoming week in college. Homecoming week. And I'd gotten drunk. And I, you know, in a blackout or whatever. Or, you know, a brownout. And a brownout is where you kind of remember a little something the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but not completely. You need others to help fill in the blanks. Uh, I, I used to think a brownout was whenever you, like, crapped your pants. That too. <laughs> yeah. That's a brownout deluxe. That's the deluxe. <laughs> double sides oh. <laughs> um so i the, the next morning after like causing this huge scene in the dorms i had to go to the dean of students office now it wasn't my first time in the dean of students office so i go in there it's about 9 30 in the morning i go in there and she looks at me and she says to me she says michael do you think you might have a problem with alcohol and i was floored I was so upset with her that she would suggest that I would have a problem with alcohol. How dare she say that to me? And I looked at her and I was like, of course not. No way. You know? And she said to me, she goes, well, have you been drinking this morning? (laughs) Well, duh. Right. (laughs) You know, and it, it, and and this is this is all in retrospect, right? Because what I what what I didn't realize at the time was that I didn't know how not to. It it was you know alcohol had, had was playing such an important part in my life. I needed it in order to function. Yeah, and or this what is college I was too. Absolutely. Yeah. How old are you? Yeah. Around this time, twenty. Twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I. I didn't know how not to do this kind of stuff, right? And it was impossible for me to imagine going into the dean of students' office sober. Of course you got to drink before that. Well, who wouldn't? Wow. I mean, I know I would have. Right? There was no way that I could do that. So I... I was offended, but it was the first time that someone ever suggested to me that I might have a problem, you know. I'd like to say that that was good enough. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know. And I graduated college and 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 decided that I wanted to, you know, you know, go in the journalism business, so I got a job as a waiter. I was <laughs> <laughs> working. All, all struggling uh, journalists. Absolutely. Wait tables. I'd write all about it, right? <laughs> No, but, you know, the, I, I say that because what was happening to me in my life, which I really didn't know, notice at the time, was that I was surrounding myself with people who were just like me, mm. you know. Um, again, you know, I'll probably mention my mom a lot because she's got a lot of these little sayings, you know. She would always say, you know, show me your company and I'll tell you who you are. 
And I think that, that the, the, the people in our lives are a mirror of what we feel about ourselves, you know. And so I surrounded myself with people who were just like me because that's how I saw myself. And what we did was we would party all day and all night. Yeah. You know, and we would we would party at work. We'd party after work. We'd crash at somebody's house, wake up, at, you know, and get started all over again. And that's how I lived, man. You know, I'd, 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 I never had a, had a, um, a, a bedtime, you know, it was always, you, you partied till you passed out and then you wake up and you do it all over again, you know, and that's how I lived, you know, and what happened is that slowly things started to disappear, you know, um, and when I say disappear, the, the things that started to disappear were my self-worth, you know, my dignity, mm. uh, pride, any, any, any ounce of any of that stuff that I, that I thought that I had left was, was slowly starting to disappear. I didn't care enough about myself to take care of myself. I didn't care enough about myself to make sure that I had a place to live. I didn't care enough about myself to make sure that I had money to support myself. Because I would spend it all on what I needed to get high. And I would use you to fill in where I needed you. Mm. You know, my parents were um, the great people, you know, fantastic people. But they were my biggest enablers, you know. And they, I'd call them up and they'd give me what I needed, you know. And I'm failing at life. Because the only, the most important thing in my life is, is what I need in order to get high, you yeah. know? And so uh, nothing else mattered, nothing, you but know? You were, you were failing in life because you weren't willing to take the course. Well, technically, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 Right? It's like you weren't, you weren't arriving to class. You know, you know, the thing <laughs> is, is, is that I didn't know what course to take. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't have, I, to, further the, the the metaphor yeah um you know if you gave me a book of classes i didn't know which one to pick mm. you know um i didn't know you, you know at this time in my life i i did not put alcohol assume that alcohol was the problem mm. right getting high was the problem it was a solution everything else was the problem you know the alcohol made everything okay, yeah. you know, and, but I didn't realize that it was the thing that was screwing everything up or allowing me yeah. to screw everything up, you know, what it looked like was this, I, I drink all day, all night. And in that stupor, I would do something that would allow me to suffer some sort of consequence. In order to deal with that consequence, I needed something to escape so that I could go get away from that consequence. <laughs> and while and while dealing with that consequence, I'm, I, I, I get high so that I don't have to deal with this consequence. And while I'm high, I suffer some sort of consequence. And so what it looked like was like a merry-go-round. You know, 
high mic with consequence after consequence after consequence that I'm not taking care of, you know? It looked like me begging my parents for rent money, right? Because the money that I made, I used to think that paying bills was, was a waste of money, <laughs> right? And they would, they would send me money so that I could pay my rent until I noticed that they're making the checks out to me. <laughs> and I'm like, why am I cashing these things and giving it to the landlord? Oh, I don't have stupid <laughs> me, right? Wow. And so what happened is that I decided that I wasn't going to pay the rent. And if you don't pay your rent, you get evicted. Now, this is an alcoholic who's sitting in front of you that if that's been evicted three times. Not the little, hey, man, why don't you get out of here? Like, literally stuff on the street. Like, you're just, like, deliberately not paying rent for months. Right. What's, what's the longest you went without paying rent? Probably half, half a year. Wow. Yeah. And just, like, God, just showing up, sneaking into your apartment. Right. Not answering the door. Not answering the door. I used to hide in the closet. When um, one of my landlords would call, would come, he big burly guy, he'd knock on the door. <laughs> Mike, I know you're in there, <laughs> right? I'd be I was like straight out of a movie, really quiet. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, terrible life. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, we laugh. And in because... this in this closet, I'm on top of dirty clothes, right? Because I never took care of that. Right. And I always I used to always think that if it <laughs> if it were at the bottom of the <laughs> yeah. of the laundry basket, then after a while it, it got clean. It, it was clean. Sudden, just pick it out. You know, it's like God, I, I haven't worn this in forever. <laughs> it's at the bottom of the laundry basket. It can't be that dirty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh one yeah, one one thing about about it is is that we can laugh at you know, laugh at it. And and uh, I can share this and sort of you know, know that that there's somebody out there who's shaking their head going, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I relate. Dude, yeah, that's dude, exactly. I can tell you the loads, <laughs> like just piles of clothes, of dirty laundry that I refuse to wash. Right. Until And I would do the same thing. I'd pick through it and smell it, you yeah. know, and see if it Oh, you smelled smell. it. See, I didn't even do that. <laughs> you know? just this bottom of the pile clean all of a sudden. It has to be. It's like it was compressed, like by the, by the other clothes. Right. Almost like a diamond. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, man. So I um so wasn't you know, I, I, I wasn't paying my bills, man. And uh and the thing about it is in, in, in Chicago during the winter time, uh you they can't cut off your 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 electricity or your gas, you know. So I could and that's 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 a good half year right there. You yeah. know, I mean, they can't cut any of that off because people would die, yeah. you know. Um That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like that's that's a good 6 months right there, you know. Um and I wasn't taking care of 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 myself and my life. You know. I was a wreck. My life was unmanageable. Mm. You know, I had no money, I had no place to go. Um, and I would always run to my family. My parents would always help after every eviction, you know, what do you need to get you in a new place? What are your plans to do X, X, and X? We'll send you what you need, you know? 
And um, I lived in this uh, this really cool you know, neighborhood in Chicago called Logan Square. Mm-hmm. And hip, up and coming, you know, it was, uh, it bordered uh, a really swanky little neighborhood. And uh, so I had the experience of the, of the, uh, of the Wicker Park neighborhood, but I had the Logan Square rent. Oh, it was, it was nice. <laughs> it was real nice, you know. But I, I, I brought Mike to that Logan Square neighborhood in that apartment. And when I say that is I brought myself and all of my unmanageability with me. So and your parents helped you get into this situation. Yes. And you were like, okay, new situation, Logan Square. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what would happen is I would I would get a job, and I would uh, lose a job. I was very good at getting getting a job, right? I would lose all my jobs, you know, all my jobs I would lose, right? You know, because I didn't know how to live, you know, and so I would I would you know put on a nice suit and put that resume in front of them and talk a good game. And they're like, we like this guy. Yeah. And then six months later, they're like, Hey, um, we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> you can't be to work on time. We, you, you reek of alcohol, you know, like you, we thought you were cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. I always say like, there's this part, like, you know, I was the guy in the bar who was, who was like, I'd come into a new guy in the bar and they're like, you know, for a couple months, you're like, oh, my God, Mike's here. Yo. Yeah. And then, like, after a while, I was like, oh, God, Mike's here. <laughs> you know. It's, uh, you haven't paid your tab in <laughs> Right, snuck out. All the regulars, you've been, you know, like, they've been buying you drinks. Bumming everything. <laughs> you know. Cigarettes. Uh, Were you a cigarette bum? Oh, yeah. I, um, I smoked OPCs. Um, and those are uh, <laughs> other people's cigarettes. <laughs> always, had a, always had a pack of OPCs <laughs> for me. At all times. Uh, so, um, other people's lighters went right, right in your face. Tons of them. I still have a box of them. Uh, you know, so, so I brought I brought myself to this to this 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 you know this this place, and I wasn't paying my rent, and uh, I was I would you know have a job, and I'd spend it all on you know partying, having a good time, and uh, and. I had this landlord, very nice guy, you know, he came to me and he said, um, he says, Mike, man, I really like you. You're a really good guy. You know, he's like, but you're not paying your rent, man. And I don't want to have to go through, you know, through all of this, uh, you know, court stuff. He goes, so listen, here's what I'll do. Let's take your stuff out the apartment and put it underneath the carport. It'll be safe. You know, and you just go and figure out what you need to do. And when you're ready, just come back and grab your stuff. I agree to that, you know. Um, it was a softer landing, mm-hmm. you know. And one day I was uh, I was at a friend's house and I'd been there for a couple of days and I was walking home or to that to that apartment. And you know what? It, it never occurred to me that 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 was the point where I was homeless. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I I I always desperately tried to hold on to to things that made me normal that felt normal to me you know um and i remember this day clearly because my friends lived on the southwest side of chicago i lived on the northwest side long distance chicago's big city and i remember going from train station to train station hoping to jump the turnstile so that i could ride on the train 
And usually I was very successful at doing that because, you know, eventually one of those guards who sit behind the little cases got to go to the bathroom, you mm-hmm. know, got to go, go up on the, the platform to check something. And then I jump and no big deal. Right. But every train station I went to, there was a guard there. I'm like, uh-huh. God, it's hard. Um, as I got closer to, uh, to my apartment, I saw these signs that said yard sale 2627 Western and I was like, oh, those girls who live in the front, they must be having a little yard sale. You know, I got a little closer to my apartment. And they said, uh, so a sign said yard sale, 2627 Western Trail. And I, this one was glitter, it had glitter on it. And I was like, oh my God. So <laughs> what about the glitter? It, it was the glitter that made me think that perhaps they're selling my stuff that's underneath <laughs> this carport. I don't know why. <laughs> but the thought occurred to me that my stuff is out there in, in that carport. And please, please, please don't let that be my stuff that they're selling. made it to that house I walked down the, the the driveway to the back I lived in the back and sure enough they had sold 80% of all of my belongings and uh, I've been gone for a few days and because I had nowhere to go you know uh, I took a baseball bat I broke every window in that apartment building but you got to understand I didn't know how to live I didn't know I'd been drinking I'd been doing drugs I've been walking I have Aimlessly, my mind was, was somewhere else. The most important thing in my life was getting high. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So you know? In the apartment building? In the building. Yeah. It was only, it was only two, two stories. So everything on the first floor. You busted. I, I, I busted. Yeah. Broke all the windows. Um, Insane. So was it, was yeah. it your, with your bat? With, nobody bought the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that he probably doesn't put out the bats now you when know, he does that. Right? <laughs> he keeps the bats when he's got to evict somebody, you know. <laughs> Learn that. Um, and and you know, I'm standing there in front of this apartment, and, and next thing I know, I've got Chicago Police Department, my best friend, uh, his wife at the time, and the landlord are all staring in front of me at this point, and they're all looking at me, and they're all saying, "You need help." You need help. That like, what is wrong with you? You know, and my my uh, my uh, best friend Christopher, um, who'll be here in March. Pretty excited about that. Um, says well, you're gonna, we're gonna take you to treatment. And I remember crying. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I need treatment. What time are you gonna come get me in the morning? He's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> You're going right now. We're taking you right now. Now, what I didn't know was that Christopher, his wife, the landlord, had all been in touch with my parents before any of this had even happened, and they had already had something set up. They had all conspired to ruin my life. Hmm. And how dare they? How dare they? You know. And the reason I say that is because here's alcoholism. Yeah. Right. Here's my alcoholism. I'm standing in front of this apartment with most of my things, my, my belongings sold. I have no job. I have no money, I have no place to go, and I fought 
to not have to go to treatment, that I came up with many excuses so that I wouldn't have to. And that, that even that, even that was better than getting sober mm. because I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how, how, how not to be, to, to, to use or consume. Yeah. You know, when, 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 when that, uh, Dean of Students told me when when she said, "Had you been drinking this morning?" Of course, I didn't know how not to. How how do you do this thing called life without having something to help you along the way? You know. Now I know that the something that I was using was not the something that I needed. Hmm. But at the time, I didn't know that. You know, um, and so I it felt like that. And uh, um, I get in this cab and I go to this treatment center. I got all A's at this treatment center. I was a star, <laughs> you know. Oh man, I talked a good game and I read all the stuff and went to the meetings and, you know, they loved me. They yeah. thought I was great and they gave me a pass um, after being there for two months to go out and enjoy myself for eight hours. I came back 16 hours later. I snuck in, I had been drinking and they, um, I can still hear the footsteps running down the hall and you know and I'm in that that that, that room in that treatment center and they come in like they're like where have you been I'm like what do you mean where have I been I've been right here hmm. they're like no you have not been here they're like and you've been drinking I was like I have not been drinking they're like yeah you've been drinking <laughs> you know when you're in a place where nobody drinks and you've been drinking they can smell it yeah. you know and they kicked me out and for the first time in my life I uh, I really was out of options and I called my mom, uh, called my parents, and uh, my mom answered, and she, uh, I asked her for $800, you know, <laughs> but that was my MO, man, just I give me a, a chunk of money, yeah, I don't even know where I got that number from, <laughs> I need to buy 800 mama, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and she said no, and I was like, well, I got a question though, I want to, so when you were in the treatment center, doing all the right things and saying all the right things, right? Do you feel like there was a there was some sincerity in that? Some, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that what I the, the piece that I didn't get was the the the, the piece about the, the powerlessness and unmanageability yeah. of my life. That I didn't understand. Yeah, you know, um, but to 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 be in a place where I was where I was safe and eating and and being able to to talk to others and you know having a therapist all of that was great but i never addressed the disease yeah you know um and i you know i'm standing in 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 front of this treatment center with all my belongings around me and i you know my i asked my mom for eight hundred dollars she said no i said well put my dad on the phone (laughs) she goes okay so she puts my dad on the phone i asked him for eight hundred dollars and he says no Somebody got to them. Yeah. You finally got to them. And I was not happy. Wow. And I'm like, what do you mean, no? You know, that date was November 9th, 2009. And uh, it's starting to get cold outside, you know. Uh, And you remember the date? mm Mm-hmm. Specifically because of that or just specific? There was something other... But that day, I remember that day. It was a Tuesday, I think it was. and uh, But I remember November 9th, 
2009 because what I remember is that my parents' anniversary is on the 14th. Mm. And I remember specifically saying, I am not calling them. I'm not wishing them happy anniversary. Oh, wow. That was my, I'll get you, oh. right? Mm. You're not going to help me. Well, forget you, you know. And I officially had nowhere to go. And uh, I remember seeing this place, uh, passing this place that had a huge cross outside, Pacific Garden Mission. And I didn't know exactly where it was, but I knew what proximity it was in. And I, I, I started walking with, with my few belongings that I had. I was down to a duffel bag. And uh, I went to this place and they had, by the time I got there, they had all locked up for the night and I begged them to let me in and he let me in. Oh, so that was like the official, the day you used to think you became homeless. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, what's interesting about that is, is again, you know, I, I, I in, in the, the, the midst of my addiction and uh, I remember, this is, a, this is a good alcoholism story. I remember a guy telling me, he's like, hey, man, listen, if you wake up really early in the morning and you stand outside, they have vans that will come and pick you up. They're the newspapers, and they'll take you to different areas of the city, and you can sell newspapers. Uh, and then they'll come and pick you up and then give you a part of the money. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. They're like, and Chicago has two newspapers, Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Tribune. And they're like, get on the Chicago Tribune van because you make more money on the Chicago Tribune van. And I remember thinking to myself, hell no, I am not getting on the Chicago Tribune van. That newspaper is way too conservative for me. Uh -huh. I am getting on the Chicago <laughs> Sun Times van. Right. That's what I did. Yeah. I got on the van for and I was selling the Chicago Sun Times. And I would I would go and I'd sell papers in the morning and I would have my little bottle of uh, of, of of booze that I'd get. And I would stand there in the freezing cold selling these newspapers and my bladder would constrict and I'd piss on myself and, and, and I didn't care, you know. Um, I adjusted to that level of life. That was my new normal. And then they'd pick me up. I'd give them a half, you know, a, a cut of, of what they asked for. And that was enough to get me to the next day. That was enough to get me the supply and the solution that I needed to get me to the next day, mm. you know. That's where this thing took me, wow. you know, until I just couldn't take it anymore, Yeah, you know. And uh, I asked my, I uh, called my parents and I asked them for help. And I said, we'll help you one more time. You know, it's not going to be money, but we're going to help you one more time, you know. And uh, in February of 2010, I started the journey to, to sobriety. Wow. Now, I didn't get sober to May of 2011, but All right. <laughs> February 23rd is when I started, you know. Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, I think that's a good place to take a break. Uh, well, uh, Let's do it. Use a, use, get some more tea, maybe use the restroom, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back from break. Uh, February 10th. February 2010. Tw 2010, there yeah. it is. Yeah. 
and so I come, I get, I get here in New Orleans, and and um, the goal is that I'm gonna get treatment, I'm gonna you know, gonna get some help, yeah, you know, and but er, you know earlier I said that when I was standing in front of that apartment, you know, even though my life was a mess, it was a lot better than uh getting sober you know and and now what i what, what i realize now is is how damaging fear is mm. like it just will either make me do stuff i shouldn't or immobilize me so that i don't do the things that i need to do yeah you know um i'm so fearful you know of 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 sober life because I'd never experienced it as an adult you know I didn't know how to live you know and so I go to this treatment center and um you know fill out some paperwork and you know well before I filled out the paperwork I got dropped off there a couple times and kind of ran around the corner you know and I go back <laughs> and I tell my family, and they're like, "But well, what happened?" And I'm like, "I, I went, you know." And they, they were like, "Well, we'll call you, you know." And twice you did that. Twice, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they kind of they kind of left me alone a little bit, and I I got a uh, got a job, and then I decided that I, um, that I, you know, it was it was everything else, you know, that if I just get a job. Get, get get a good gig and you know save up some money and you know start living right then then things will be better you yeah. know and uh and i i tried that and then you know i decided well hey you know you're a smart guy why don't you just go to law school you know <laughs> and i purchased a whole bunch of law books and took a a, a class to help you study for the LSAT. Yeah, I think I remember those books being in the apartment. <laughs> yeah, right, like <laughs> you know, all I don't these think... law books. Did you ever tell me that? I don't know if you ever told me that. Probably so. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but I had all these law books because I didn't finish the class to yeah. even to, to. So this was a class to help you study for the for the law school test to get into law school. Did you right? need... oh, okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't even finish that class. You know. Um, at this point, man, I really didn't really didn't understand what, what, what powerlessness and unmanageability looked like, you know. And I um finally, you know, my, my, my family was like, You you are um you are out of options, you know. There's nothing left for you here unless you get some help. Mm. And you know, I you know, we we in uh, in, in, in recovery you know, I always say, I was like, you know, I didn't get well until there was a crisis, right? Like, yeah. like there's got to be some sort of crisis in order for me to take that next step, you know? And, you know, I was able to be home and have food and have, have all of the amenities that, that, that somebody would, would, would have. And, and there was no crisis. Yeah. You know? You had averted the crisis of up north. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and... But sometimes, you know, a crisis has to be created for us, mm -hmm. you know, at least for me. My parents had to create this crisis, yeah. you know, and they, they were like, that's it. Nothing is left for you here. You have one option and that's it, you know, 
that's the, the only option we have that we're going to support you and help you with is this one option, you know. So I went to that treatment center and uh, had been drinking and uh, did all the, the paperwork and went upstairs, the intake and the intake lady, and she says, okay, I'm going to want need you to come back on Monday. She goes, but I do not want to smell alcohol on your breath like I do now. If you come in here and you smell, and I smell alcohol on your breath, you are not getting in. Well, that scared the crap out of me, I right? Know. And so um, on Friday, um, May 6th, I got my hair cut because I was going into treatment on May 9th. And... Oh, Gotta look good to go to treatment. Absolutely, right? <laughs> Man, I don't know what's, what this thing's all about, right? Gotta make sure I'm fresh. Yeah, you, you gotta know? go in there and make sure people go, I'm not that bad. I'm not I was, as bad as some of these guys. Well, I was popular in my last treatment center, you know? <laughs> <laughs> gotta live up to that, you know? The Kang is back. Oh, dude, I was I was on fire, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so I, um, after I left the, uh, the, the barbershop, I stopped over at a corner store in front of bar 240s. Uh, 40 is 40 ounces of, 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 <laughs> of, of beer. And I uh, you know, walked home and I drank those 240s. And what I didn't know is that uh, that would be my last drink for eight years, mm. as we sit here today. Uh, I didn't know that at the time, you know. Uh, and so that Monday, May 9th, I went into treatment and I, the last drink I had was on Friday, May 6th. And, uh, I consider Saturday, May 7th, 2011, uh, as my sobriety date. Mm. And, uh, I get into this treatment center and, you know, I'm basically just following the rules and, and, uh, happy to be in a safe place um not too happy about sobriety and i remember the first first month all i did was think about my friends and what are they doing wonder what they're doing <laughs> you know i used to hang out at this bar like i wonder what wonder what alice is doing you know like god man i wonder <laughs> you know the whole time Probably the same thing she always did so, yeah you know alice <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> And I missed them. I yeah. missed it. I missed. I was. I was missing the lifestyle, you know. Uh, and this treatment center suggested that I work a twelve-step program. And in order to do that, I needed somebody. I needed help. Somebody to 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 help me with the process and to take me through the twelve-step program, you know. And you know, there was a guy who was coming around all the time, and I really thought. You know, this poor guy needed a life and like, what the heck is he doing at this treatment center all the time? And, and, and I needed to, to, to help, help me. I need somebody to help me. And, and, and I needed somebody fast because time was running out, you know? Uh, and so I asked him to take me through the 12 steps, you know, and he was the, 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 the blessing that I needed at that time, you know. Um, what that man did was 
not only read a book with me and take me through the steps, but he showed me what it meant to be a sober man, you know. Now, I'm a selfish and self-centered person, and it's all about me, you know. And he stressed that I had to, I had to consider others and I had to think about other people, you know. And so part of the 12-step process for me was considering that the feelings and thoughts and, and, and uh, being a part of, of, of life as a contributor, not as a taker, mm. you know. I didn't know that, you know. Um, we talked about, you know, the powerlessness and unmanageability of my life, you know. I drank when I didn't want to. You know, normal people don't drink when they don't want to. Even when I didn't want to drink, I drank, you know. I remember when I was in uh, uh, in college, I got a DUI. And I had to spend overnight in jail. It was, it was, it was at night when I was arrested, and, and the next morning I got out. And uh, my car had, had been impounded, and, and I got my car back. And I remember getting in my car and seeing a uh, uh, watered-down vodka OJ in the in the uh, cup holder and I remember looking at it thinking that like oh, those stupid cops <laughs> you know I got over on them yeah. they didn't even find this yeah. <laughs> you know and I picked it up and I and I I, I started drinking it yeah. after getting out of jail for a DUI right this thing called alcohol has is much more powerful than me I didn't know that I had no idea, you know, um, and I, I, I was able to realize that I was able to understand that my idea, the, 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 the power to choose whether or not I wanted to drink um, was gone, hmm. that I that I would no longer ever have the choice, you know, and that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Even when you're working with, uh, with, with, with other guys and, and you're, you're, you're talking about powerlessness, you know, at some point you like to think, well, hey, you know, I've been sober all this time. You know, I'm choosing not to, not to, 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 to pick up. I'm choosing, you know, not to drink. I love my life today and let, things are going so well that I just choose not to drink because I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, that to me doesn't doesn't like resonate. <laughs> right? I'm not like I'm not I'm not sitting here not like fighting the desire, but it, I'm also not making an effort not to drink. Right? It's just right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who'd have thought though? Yeah. Right? Um, so that 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 I'd lost the power to choose whether or not I I, I picked yeah. up. You know. As a result of, of, of my, my using, there was a lot of unmanageability. You know, my life was a mess. I didn't know how to have personal relationships. You know, I didn't know how to love another human being. I didn't know how to do that. You know, you love your family, but how do you love fellow man? You know, I didn't know how to shop for myself. You know, I remember when I got out of that treatment center, being in the supermarket, <laughs> grabbing onto this basket, lost. What do I put in here? Yeah. You know, what, what, what do I eat? How do I feed myself? You know, I didn't know how to how to pay bills. I didn't know how to do that. 
You know, I didn't know how to be a part of the um, my my family's life. I didn't know how to do that. I was always a taker. It was always look at me, look at me, look at me. What can you guys give to me? What can you do for me? What about me? You know, I was never part of. I could never contribute to anything. I was the guy who brought Christmas presents. I didn't call my mom sincerely on 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 her birthday or my dad on his birthday or you know give them anything or participate in anything. I wasn't there for for my sister and her needs, you know, or or be the brother that she could call and just talk to. You know, I missed all of that. All of that was are all examples of the unmanageability that was in my life. Yeah. And it took this man who had experienced all of this to allow me to see that. You know, I didn't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's almost like the same story you can parallel it with somebody who's done like 20 years in prison. Yeah. Doesn't know how to live. Like I'm imagining, um, you know, red coming out of Shawshank. (laughs) (laughs) Red. I love red. (laughs) And like not knowing how to live life, but that's kind of like you had been living in a prison your whole life. Or or Brooks, if you want to go with the Shawshank, right? Brooks, Brooks committed suicide because Mm -hmm. he was so afraid to 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 leave you know um and you're right i was i've you know i've never been in like you know a a a physical prison but a mental spiritual prison i existed in my life for a long time Mm. you know um and i i I just you know understanding that and 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 realizing that was was you know played a a (laughs) a big part how long you think we've been in already about five minutes five five ten minutes so we'll just Start it there. Okay. The timer. This is very, it's very low quality production here. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> very loose. Very casual. You know, it's very <laughs> Chicago Sun Times. You know, it's not the Tribune. Not at all. We wouldn't dare. No way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 it was important. You know, I think it's important that you know I identify with with what it's like to be alcoholic, you know, that I understand what it's like to be an alcoholic and what, you know, what does that look like? You know, how does, I, I, I didn't know, you know, and so this guy's like, yeah, you, here, here's what you did, you know, and here's what that looks like. And here's what all of these other guys did. And I, and it's a sign, signs of unmanageability, you know, it blew my mind, mm. you know, we talked earlier a little bit about um, about God, you know, all those other guys and you know those other men in my family got 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 sober, you know, by having a relationship with with God, you know, that thing that that solution, you know, alcohol was my solution. I needed it, I needed it, but it was the wrong thing that I need, you know, and I had to have a a, a relationship with something bigger than myself, mm. you know. I remember when I, uh, to add to that story, when I was walking home from that, uh, my friend's house, I found a huge bag of marijuana on the ground. A big bag. That's whenever you're walking back to your yard sale. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time, you know. Um, and I remember picking this marijuana up and thanking God. Like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know. 
and huge bag huge bag that's a mirror that sounds like a miracle crazy to me. huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nuts it's, it's so it's really a surreal because like like the way the whole day turned out you right. know you know the the whole bus trip you had to walk how many miles did you think that was oh that's about 20 miles I you guess. walked 20 miles yeah huh yeah damn yeah <laughs> walked 20 miles yeah. kept kept running into obstacles and then all of a sudden yeah, 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 and <laughs> but not only that though, I found rolling papers not far from it. What? Yeah, crazy. crazy. I mean, they went together. But. I think that that uh, somebody probably dropped it, obviously, but I think that 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 happened so that I could tell this story. I I can't imagine uh, any other reason why <laughs> that would happen, right? It's like yeah, there's not like the deeper. Per- I mean, yeah, but to tell the story to relate, I don't know. It, you know, you I don't, know. who I knows? Mean, Let's not try to put meaning to it. But it was <laughs> it was it was God for me at the yeah. time, you know. But here's the deal: that's all that I had. Yeah, you know, and that's all that I could give. You know. That's all that that I, I I couldn't I couldn't give God anything because I didn't have anything to give. So that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. You know, um, and so throughout this, you know, throughout this process, what I've what I've had to do was form a relationship with that power that's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the piece that that is most important in my life at this point. You know. And what that looks like is not what it looks like, you know, May 7, 2011. Right? It's totally different. It looks completely different. But it's still there. It exists. Yeah. You know, so I remember um, when I was, uh, I don't know, I've been sober for about, for about a year. And uh, I, I was fresh out of this treatment center. And there was a... Um, in my my uh, in my 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 group in this this treatment center, you have group and you've got about I don't know fifteen twenty people in a group. You've got a counselor and you all do your little group stuff. And uh, my counselor decided that we were going to do music therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you pick a song that was important to you. She'd go and, and make copies of the the words to the song, distribute it to everybody, and then she would play the song in group. And then everybody would listen to it, follow along with the words. And then when it was all done, you'd explain why you chose that song. And I chose uh, Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror. And part of the reason I chose that song is, is there's a couple reasons. You know, one, he, he talks about homelessness in that, 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 that song. It's, um, you know, you know, they roam not even a nickel to loan, you know, I always, you know, remember that line because that was me, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. um, but it also says that, you know, if, if, if you want to change the world, you have to start with the man in the mirror, you know, and, and I think that goes along really well with, with, you know, program of recovery. You know, if, if, if I want to see a change, then I've got to be the change, you know, and so I chose that song and, and, you know, got a lot of, you know, a little fever, a little flack about it. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, uh, you know, a year later, my, uh, well, a few months later, uh, you know, I, I'm out of this treatment center. My, my, the guy who, who, you know, took me through the, uh, the, my 12 step program and, 
you know, asked me to speak at this homeless shelter. And I remember I parked my car and I'm looking at all of these homeless guys uh, sitting outside. It was cold out and they blankets and all their stuff, you know, laid at their feet. And I remember looking at him going, God, you know, I am not far removed from, from, from this. You know, this was me not too long ago, you know. And uh, I step inside and I say what I have to say and I come out and get into my car and these guys homeless guys are still sitting outside with you know with all their stuff at their feet and I get in my car and that that man in the mirror song's coming on it's not in the middle it's not at the end it's just starting you know and I remember sitting there um, listening to the entire thing and I didn't move I just I looked at those I was watching those homeless men as I'm listening to the song and I think it was probably one of the first recognizable spiritual experiences that I had in recovery. You know, I look back on it now and I'm thinking, okay, it was, you know, it's kind of cool, a little cheesy, you know, mm. just because I'm a little um, more mature in my recovery now. But at the time, it was huge. Yeah. That was extremely significant to me. You know, it was, it was at that moment that I realized that my purpose is is not to feed myself but to feed others mm. you know that that's what this thing's about you know that that my journey in recovery would be about me being of service and helping other people and that's the only thing that has allowed me to see what god's will is for me in my life oh. you know it has given me the strength and the power that i need in all areas of my life you know um, how to listen, how to be a part of, how to love another human being, you know. I mean, you, you, we were roommates for, you know, almost five years, you know. That was t it was tough, you know, uh, to love you, you know, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this recovery thing's great, <laughs> you know. No, it was a joke. That was a joke. I had to lighten it up just a little bit, you know. No, living with somebody is hard. It's an experience. I think... Um for where we were at in our in our phase of uh, of our, our individual recoveries, I think right. that what the, the the our relationship with I think was perfect. Yeah, yeah, it went. Yeah, it yeah. was extremely well. Yeah, 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 it was good. Not perfect. I mean, we, you know, I like to say that you were the guy I grew up with. It's like, uh, you know, I look back on some of the conversations that we had now, and I'm like, God, man. I was in a totally different space back yeah. then. You know, no, but we, I thought we had some good, good conversations. Oh, absolutely. For sure. yeah. I, I mean, I tell you, our conversations probably one of the things that spurred me wanting to do this. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Or just having conversations about recovery. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's like, and, and I mean, at that phase, what we're, you know, first four or five years, we're having these experiences for the first time. Right, yeah. We're having these man-in-the-mirror Right, like yeah, mind-blowing yeah. experiences, and and they mean so much to they, us, and they're so powerful. They are right, and talking about it is so exciting, right? You know, and sharing it with somebody who goes, "Yeah, I yeah. know," <laughs> like like relating relating experiences of our past is pretty cool. Yeah, but relating experiences about recovery with somebody who understands and has been through and uh, and relates that and growing up together. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I, I think it's probably one of the most deep and effective spiritual experiences that you can have in this thing, mm -hmm. you know. 
um, is when you can, whether you're helping somebody or you're just telling your story, is when you can connect with another human being and that like, you're you're almost on the same frequency. Mm-hmm. Like you get it, you understand it, you know. Uh, it's a beautiful experience. And this whole time, what I didn't realize was that that was the piece that I was missing this entire time, you know. I like to say that, that, that um, you know, I've 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 heard before, you know, like like oh there was there was a hole, there's a hole. And I never thought that there was a hole. I don't I don't I don't think that there was a hole for me, you know. Um because if there was a hole, then all of the stuff that that, you know, I thought would fix it would would, would have fixed it. Then it would have been, you know, filled in. You know, because now I have all of that stuff. And when I say stuff, I mean material things that I thought that I needed to, to fill the hole. And that's not what fills it. Hmm. So there was no hole to begin with. It was a relationship that was missing, hmm. you know, a relationship with the power that's greater than me, which in my life, manifest itself through you specifically me thank you very yeah, much specifically. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome you're welcome oh great one <laughs> you know through people yeah you know i can't see myself but others allow me to see myself right others allow me to look at myself um in in, in a way that i wouldn't you know uh Others allow me to listen. Others allow me to love. Others allow me to learn. I get what I need from others in this program. So true. That's how my God speaks to me. So what was missing this entire time was a connection with other human beings in a spiritual, fulfilling way. A way where I can be vulnerable, a way where I can be all of the things that I am as a human being, be perfectly flawed and be okay. You know, when I first came into to, um, uh, my recovery, I approached it with with a little bit of that what I thought that I thought that that I thought others would would would, would want me to be. You know, yeah. because I brought I, I I still brought a little bit of that with me. You oh, know, yeah. I didn't change overnight. You know, and I remember ironing my shirt and putting on really nice pants and <laughs> really cool shoes and saying that others are going to look at me and be like, wow, look at him. You know? <laughs> and no one ever said, Mike, you look good, man. man yeah. <laughs> no one. <laughs> Come on, man. You've gotten plenty of compliments on your attire. You're a sharp dressing man. <laughs> well, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is, is, is that <laughs> I, I I on purpose, yeah, you know, did this so that others would be able to, mm-hmm. to look at me and compliment me, and 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 that's how I'd feel a part of. Yeah, you, you came know. with with your own. You still had your old ideas. You didn't like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, and and you know they 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 served me though. You know, um, I I I I'd love to. Uh, to, to, to read and talk, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'd be the one who you know, who always wanted to to you know read the longest thing in a meeting. Uh. You know what I mean? It served me 
but in a different way. Yeah. You know, um, so no one ever said, Mike, you look great ever, you know? And I didn't walk away from that feeling resentful or upset with people. You know, I, I, I walked away from that feeling happy that like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter, you know? And so it doesn't matter for me, you know? Um, and I, I I, I hate to, to talk about like something so silly as clothing, but I can wear what I want and be okay with me and do it for me and not for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the, the same applies to, to, um, you know, other areas of my life because you see, I always, you always had more. You always were, you know, you were better. You know, I always wanted what you had, you know, and and because I have a relationship with 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 God and, and and He manifests Himself in my life through people, that that's much more important than anything else now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I fall short every day. You know, uh, but I live a life today that is easier to be sober than it is not. You know. Yeah. Uh, and Katie's calling. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, yeah. So listen, there was a point in my life where I thought that that you know, and I, and I remember having this conversation with with uh, you a few years back. Where we're like, you know, there's a, there's a point where we're like, okay, well, cool, we're done, you know, and this whole recovery thing, we've done our work here, and and. We're finished, you know, and uh, <laughs> we're never done. No, you know, and this is a journey, and it it can, it, it it continues, and it it, it continues. It ebb and flows. Yeah, you know, goes up and down. You know, um, everything works out in the end. You know, um, and so there are good times and bad. But guess what? That's sort of how I want it to be. I don't want to feel great all the time anymore. Mm. You know, when my mom said to me, all that you want to do is have a good time. And I'm like, yeah, well, duh. I don't want to always have a good time. You know, I want, I want to have issues, things that I have to work through in my life. I want to be able to, um, experience things and, and think about them and, and incorporate a high power and, and toss it out there and, and work through it today. Yeah. You know, um, I don't want it to be all good all the time. Yeah. You know. I was, re- I was listening to a thing the other day, and uh, I don't really, it was a podcast, but the guy, and I didn't really care for, like, the podcast itself, but the guy wrote a what, book. What, this one? No, oh, this one's always awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> but the guy, the title of his book was The Obstacle is the Way. Wow. And he could have stopped there. That's great, yeah. But, you know, The Obstacle is the Way. Absolutely. Yeah. Find the obstacle. That's the way you have to go. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's life. Yeah. And I think that that like you know and what I've what I've learned from this whole thing too is that uh, you know I, man this 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 life is incredible you know and 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 you know there are periods where where I feel like you know 
man, I gotta do this, or I gotta do this, or this is upsetting, and this is frustrating, you know, and sometimes I gotta step back and think about where I was, you know, and, and, uh, and understand that, that, like, today I, 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 I get to live, and I get to be a part of, and that people are placed in my life, and, and, you know, I've got ups and downs, good and bad, and, and the, the journey's real, and, and you just gotta be a part of, you yeah. know, and, uh, and then after all of that, man, you know, give it all away and, and you know, be a part of, of somebody else's life, you yeah. know, really, um, really is where the beauty, beauty is when you get to get to help another individual, you yeah. know. <sighs> yeah, that's what it's all about. Um, all right. I guess uh, we're almost done. Sure. Unless you have more to add. No, no. Um, You're the director. Well, I mean, it's your story, sir. You know what I mean? It's your show. All right. Uh, so, um, so before we close, um, I've been trying to end the podcast with uh, this one question um, and uh, posing it to our last few guests. Uh, and just because I feel like it's, it's, you know, you've said a lot of relevant things and Hopefully there's somebody out there listening who is getting some hope from this. Um, and hopefully there's somebody um, who maybe was in the same position you and I were at whenever we first, right before we got sober. Right. Um, so I like to think about what I would tell myself specifically, you know, uh, because I think if I would contemplate that, what I would say to myself specifically at that point from now um, I feel like it would be like pretty relevant to my experience. And usually if I tell, if it's relevant to my experience, it's relevant to somebody else's experience who was going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so if, if you were to encounter, um, yourself right before going into that treatment center for the last time, um, what do you think you would tell that kid? I would say um, everything that, 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 that you've done up until this point is relevant. Every experience that you've had, you will be able to use all of that one day, good and bad. All that you've done up until this point will serve a purpose to help somebody else one day. Now find somebody who believes in you wow. and follow their lead. Perfect. I'm not going to add anything. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. <laughs>